Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical. Tips from the CRA Helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and welcome to episode three, where we will be discussing travel. By the end of this episode, you will get an idea how a clinical research associate schedules their visit travel and tips for when on the road. I definitely have lots of experience in this area, and I want to help you. Some things I had to learn the hard way, so if I can help you prevent it, let's go. I definitely don't mind taking one for the team. So let's start with the scheduling in itself. Have you ever thought about how it works, especially for those of you out there who may not be familiar with the process? Are all the scheduling of site visits and travel, is that done by someone else? And then the itinerary handed to the CRA and it's like, here you go, have a nice day. Or is this something that the CRA actually is responsible for and another portion of their responsibilities as a CRA as well? These are great questions. You may remember me discussing in the last episode that visits are scheduled with sites as specified in that study clinical monitoring plan. Now, in addition to your study protocol, you are going to hear so much about the clinical monitoring plan, the CMP. It's so important as it outlines all the strategies, the methods, the responsibilities, all the requirements for the monitoring of that trial. So the CMP for your study in regards to visits is going to know what's to be reviewed at each visit, including when that first routine monitoring visit is to occur. Now, as I mentioned before, don't get, okay, I have no, I have no idea where I'm whispering, but as I mentioned before, don't get caught up in the lingo, don't get caught up in the terminology and feel like your head is spinning. Details, remember, regarding the purposes and the types and all the details what's be performed at each visit is going to be in future episodes and in that January course. So right now, I just want you to focus on what we're talking about in regards to travel. So after a site has had their pre-study visits this, or their site selection visits, and after they're initiated, sites are ready to start screening and enrolling patients. So that CMP is going to detail when the first routine monitoring visit is to occur. And I'll tell you about this. I'll just list an example of, of how it can be listed in a clinical monitoring plan. So it may note that after that first subject is enrolled, the first RMV should occur, say, within two weeks, but prior to the subject being randomized to study drug. First RMVs are usually a very tight window, and I understand it as, you know, this is the first subject enrolled, and you want to ensure that the site is doing things correctly, that they understand the protocol, they're being compliant, and also that the subject is truly eligible. I've had first monitoring visits where I'll go out to the site and come to find out the subject really wasn't eligible. So they actually had to screen fail the patient, um, bef- you know, rather than randomizing him, they had to screen fail the patient. So it was a blessing, you know, that we went out there. You know, that's why they have these first monitoring visits occurring so close and in these tight windows. And then usually after that first visit, then, for example, then every subsequent visit, maybe four to six weeks, you know, each monitoring visit interval is different, you know, depending on your study. So based on this information, though, the monitor is going to know, okay, this is when the first visit should occur. They'll contact the site and they'll schedule the visit. So, of course, the monitor has their own calendar to go by of their visit and their schedules. And then the site will have their schedules and when they're open. And then they also, in addition, have to check PI availability. So once a date is confirmed for the visit, after all that happens, the CRA then can schedule their travel. 
I definitely, on a side note, recommend scheduling earlier in the visit window. So remember in this example, I talked about four to six weeks. So if that was a monitoring interval for your study, then I recommend scheduling the subsequent visits earlier in that window, like at every, say, four to six weeks if you can. Because things happen, life happens, so sometimes things have to be rescheduled. There may be, somebody may be sick, the site may have to reschedule. Um, There could be, you know, weather delays. And if that happens and a visit has to be pushed back, say to week five or week six, then guess what? You're still within window. And we really try to aim at um, keeping visits within window as noted in that monitoring plan. That way we can avoid what's called monitoring plan deviations. Now, sometimes it happens. And if that's the case and you know your visit's going to be out of window, then you contact your lead CRA. Um, and that, of course, depends on the communication plan for your study and how your company set up. But for me, it was always we contacted our lead CRA and we let them know that, you know, OK, this visit's going to be without a window or out of window for this particular reason. That way they can already go, you know, the lead can already document that monitoring plan deviation and get any information that they need. So um, this is what happens when we start scheduling the visits and some of the things you may go to, but I did uh, go through, but I, I did want to make that side note of recommending, if you can, scheduling earlier in that visit window. So once confirmed, and approximately like I talked about in previous episodes, for me, they wanted us to schedule visits, you know, the travel, I mean, excuse me, at least two weeks, 14 days prior the visit date. That way you can kind of get a good airfare rate. That's the best one um, you're going to get before the visit because you don't want to schedule way too early and then the visit change and then again you have exchange fees and difference in airfares to pay so they the two-week mark 14 day prior is the it is a great time to schedule you're going to get a good airfare rate because the closer you get to that date of departure again the 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 rates the airfare just skyrockets so so about that time you can go ahead and schedule your travel now like i mentioned before i come from a cro background that's a contract research organization So usually we had an online system um, and a travel department that we go through in order to schedule our travel. So usually I can make my travel, um, schedule it directly online. I would choose from, you know, different airfares. You know, I'd I'd put in, plug in the times that I needed, the dates and times that I needed to depart, you know, and arrive and then, you know, the different cities. And I got to choose from the different, um, you know, flights. And it was nice because this online system was you know, um, it was correlated with our travel and expense policy. So it was nice. So um, it would kind of tell me like in green, like I knew, okay, these are good flights to choose from per our travel and expense policy. And sometimes, you know, if it didn't go with the times that you had to go and arrive, um, you know, sometimes it would, you know, give you a little reminder like, hey, this, this, ticket happens to be like $150, you know, (laughs) more than the other, um, you know, than some of the other tickets. And if that's the case, you know, we had to, excuse me, put in a, um, you know, we had to put in, you know, a reason why that, you know, we had, we have to choose this flight. And sometimes it would just so happen that these were the only times that worked. I didn't want to leave a site at, you know, two in the afternoon to catch a flight. I wanted a full day at the site. So sometimes I had to, you know, put in a reason if I had to deviate. But um, other than that, you know, um, you have a lot of choices to choose from with the airfare. Um, and then the hotels would be marked, you know, per our travel and expense policy and preferred vendors, they would they would be um, marked. So I would sort, you know, you could sort by the compliant hotels, you know, the different chains that they have um, 
you know, that are preferred vendors, you can choose by that. Sometimes I would sort by the distance from the site and I would choose that way. Um, so it's, it's really nice when you can go online and schedule. Um, if it was more, if it was more difficult, like if it was multi, a multi-segment trip and maybe it was kind of difficult to schedule the travel, or maybe I was trying to use, um, an unused ticket, I would maybe, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, having to exchange that and all that. Um, I would call them directly. I would call the travel department department directly. And what happens whether you do it online or via the travel department on the phone, usually you'd get an email because they're the ones who actually issue the ticket. So even if I book it online, I confirm my itinerary, say, yes, please purchase the ticket. That'll go to the travel department. Then they'll issue the ticket and they'll send you the confirmed um, final itinerary. And the same thing if you do it on the phone as well you'll get that email, the confirmed final itinerary. So it's really nice because you feel like they're, you know, and they know their stuff. So especially if you have delays in the airport and everything, you can call them. They know they can give you great advice. So it's, it, I love having a travel department. So, um, so that's really nice. That's what I'm used to working with, um, with my CRO background. Now, depending on which company you work for will depend on which um, system or travel department is used. I'm used to using um, Concur or Amex Business Travel, also known as American Express Business Travel. Just a reminder, when you're booking your travel, you want to be sure to follow your company's travel and expense policy. You want to be very, very familiar what's reimbursable, what their guidelines are. You would never want to schedule your travel and then find out later oh my goodness, this isn't reimbursable. So just be very familiar with this document. You know, they'll definitely provide it to you. It's something that you train on at the beginning. So, um, you know, just definitely become familiar with it and it'll be like second nature. And it's really nice when the study system correlates with that travel and expense policy. So it just kind of gives you reminders of, you know, this doesn't meet the travel, the company's travel policy. And it just kind of gives you those reminders, you know, while you're scheduling the travel, which is really helpful. But I had fun. I like. I thought it was really nice to have that creativity and being able to look at my calendar and and you know try to decide. Okay, when does this visit work? When do I need to schedule this? It's nice to have that responsibility yourself. And you know, I just want to remind you to keep in mind when you're you know scheduling these different visits. Of remember those deliverables that we talked about in that last episode of regarding time management. So you just want to make sure to keep in mind when the due dates of different deliverables will be. So you don't want to be like, hey, I'm super CRA for the, you know, just pack it up on visits for the th- first three weeks of the month and the very last week, I'm going to be in-house. Well, what's going to happen is those things from that first week, there's going to be deliverables due. And then you're stuck out in the road trying to cram everything in. So you don't want to... A, affect a deliverable from being on time, but also you don't want to burn yourself out. So keep those things in mind when you are scheduling visits that, you know, are there deliverables that will need to be met in between, you know, that way just make sure to schedule that in-house time that you can get certain things done without getting burnout and then it'll be on time. But it really can be fun booking travel, you know, um, I loved it, especially it was really cool if I went to a city maybe that I hadn't been before, um, like Manhattan, for example, New York City. I um, had never been there before, and I want to. When was my first? I want to say my first time might have been 2012. Um, it it was really funny. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, so we don't even have to parallel park to get our license. So I'm one of those. I'm not an aggressive driver. I don't. When it comes to going between two cars, I don't know how to parallel park I'm I'm so embarrassed to admit that like if I'm in a city where I have to um, park on the road I will 
circle around until I find a car that I can just go behind in the back. That way I'm not having to try to fit between two cars. It's really sad. But <laughs> but um, but anyway, so back to Manhattan. It was really cool like my first time. Again, I was very nervous because I wasn't used to taking cabs. I'd never been to this big city that I would, um, you know, see on TV and every show. I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. So, you know, I see New York City all the time. So <laughs> I was nervous but yet excited. So, um, yeah, so of course going going to New York City, I'm going to – take a cab um so I you know I'm scheduling my travel like okay I've got I can choose from LaGuardia or I can choose from JFK and you know and then I'm looking at all the different hotels that you know they were within our travel policy I'm looking at you know the distance from the site and they're all around the same you know they're all around the same price you know kind of in that same range so I had fun like opening it up and kind of looking at which hotel to choose from and oh my gosh it was so much fun it was a blessing my first hotel had windows going from the ceiling to the floor and I could see the city out there it was awesome and I know I you know say that in most um cities I never have time like especially with time management I don't have time to venture out when I went there I made sure I was like look I'm going to see this Rockefeller tree that I always see on TV. I want to see Times Square. I did that another time because I had to keep going back to the site. But I did see Times Square. So it was fun. I, it, it is exciting when you get to go to places that you've never been before. And as long as you're within the policy, it's awesome. I've been to West Palm Beach and I've had beautiful views of the ocean. I've, you know, so it's re- it really is an exciting time. As long as you're going by the policy, you're treating it like it's your own money. You're not taking advantage and... I mean, really, it's it's fun. I mean, have I said fun like 20 times already? But, you know, but the travel, I mean, I'm going on a side note, but the CRA job is so awesome because it's not monotonous. You know, it's just like different every week and you get to go to different places, but yet you have to be able to multitask, be able to reprioritize in order to balance all your deliverables. And, you know, going to the sites, being able to, interact with the different site staff and even while you're traveling in the airport you know just even though you might work at home you're not you're not isolated because you're constantly you know in communication with your study team and with site staff and you know while you're traveling too so anyway that was kind of my little my little ad campaign for becoming a CRA this was brought to you by Elizabeth Waddell the CRA helper (laughs) okay let me get back on task So you want to also, like I talked about too, is being, you know, just a reminder, we talked about being mindful of costs as if it were your own money. And the only reason I wanted to kind of bring this up is not only have I been on the CRA side, but I've been on that manager side where I've reviewed expense reports. I've seen, you know, travel from my direct reports. And sometimes you have to have difficult conversations with some CRAs who didn't comply with the travel and expense policy. So if I can give you tips ahead of time, I want to do that. So in addition to always complying with the travel and expense policy, if your company does use a travel system or a travel department, you want to make sure to always book through them. Don't ever venture out on your own and try to book a rental car on your own or 
um, like, hey, I'm going to go to the Hilton website and I'm going to get, you know, this hotel and I'm going to go to the budget website and get this car rental. And now I'm going to go to this Delta website and get my airfare and then throw in all the receipts and expect to get reimbursed. They have a travel department and a system to book your travel for a reason. Um, first of all, their safety, because then they'll be aware if they need to reach you or find you, you know, anything, you know, um, for safety purposes, you want to make sure that they have access to your itinerary. But also, sometimes there's contracted rates and preferred vendors. And also, for rental cars, for example, this could also include auto insurance, insurance and coverage of your rental car. So you always want to make sure to go through those travel departments to book your travel. Even if you're stranded at the airport and flights are canceled and you need a rental car, don't just run over to a desk and book a rental car. You want to make sure to call that travel department and go ahead and have them book your rental car. Because again, that involves um, not only rates, but it involves usually involves the insurance as well. So you just want to make sure, um, you know, you just want to make sure to comply with that. Now, if there's a delay in your flight or maybe a flight is canceled and they have to rebook you for the morning, then if that's the case and the flight is rebooking you, you're not necessarily buying a ticket, then you can get in line for the airline itself. So say you're taking a flight with American and your flight is delayed or um, maybe it's canceled and they're like, hey, you know, go ahead and line up at this desk. We're going to rebook you onto the next flight. Then yes, you can go with the airline itself because you're not booking a new ticket. They're just changing, you know, your your flight and seat because of whatever the delay is. So if that's the case, go ahead and get in line. Now, one thing I've learned though, if I'm in a big old log line of everybody trying to change their seats or get rebooked on a new flight, then I'm like, okay, maybe I will call the travel department, you know, um, even though I necessarily don't have to in this particular case, maybe I will go ahead the, you know, and call the travel department so they can go ahead and rebook me um, before and maybe try to beat all these people in line. But I will tell you, as you start traveling more and more and you gain status with the airlines, that becomes awesome because you usually get like a little like a little card. Like when I was with when it was US Air before it changed to American, I was like um, chairman's preferred and I had my chairman's preferred card and I had a special number that I could call. So you definitely got priority over, you know other people so instead of just a plain U.S. Air number that I'm calling and I'm waiting in line compared to everybody else I'm actually calling a chairman preferred um, chairman's preferred phone number that they gave me so you have it's a priority number and they were so helpful and so nice and would help me change my flight and it's nice because it's kind of scary we're in the back of this long line and you think am I even going to get on the next flight so that's just a tip there so um, what I want to remind you there is always remember if you're um, using a travel website enter in all your membership information because you want to make sure to get airline miles and you know hotel points wherever it is you may travel so um, just make sure to and sign up for the travel memberships I went ahead and signed up for every hotel chain every car rental vendor you know different airlines and of course depending on where you're located for me when I was traveling it was U.S. Air and Delta we had a small airport so um, I definitely gained the bulk of my status on U.S. Air Um, I was kind of a nobody on Delta but you know (laughs) but it's so nice when you have status because it makes your travel life so much easier you can get through security lines quicker you can get free um, upgrades to first class and um 
And in this case, too, I have my special number that I called to, you know, to rebook my flight. So it's really, really nice whenever you get um, your status. So definitely sign up for the different memberships, put all that information in. So then when the travel department does book your travel, you're getting credit which is another amazing perk of being a CRA. As you are traveling and you're getting credit for all these trips that you're performing, you're earning free vacations pretty much, you know, with the, you know, the airline points and, you know, the airline miles, the the, um, hotel points, even car rental points, you're earning all this. And it just is such a blessing with the free vacations that you can have. And it's so funny um, because one time we were going on vacation and I, you know, I had status with US Air and I, um, even though we were going on a free vacation with points, I was upgraded free to first class. So um, I asked my mom, I was like, do you want to go up there, you know, and sit in first class and, and I'll take coach? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. So she told me she was up there and she was sitting next to this business traveler and she turned to him and was saying, hey, um, I'm a teacher. I'm not used to this. Um, I'm only up here because of my daughter. I'm, I'm not used to first class. And it was just so cute how she was just going on and on about how she was a teacher and that this was such a privilege for her. So it's really cool. You know, that's one great perk of just having, you know, of earning that status and getting that privilege. And there was one time, especially being chairman's preferred, where I was constantly um, upgraded to first class, which was so nice, especially after a long week of visits and you're going home and it's just, Oh, you're just so thankful. And it was funny because I was used to that for so long that one time um, uh, it was so funny. Um, they were booked, you know, there wasn't room for free upgrades in the first class. And so I was, you know, sitting back in coach and I was texting my brother and one of my friends like, oh, well, I'm back here in coach. You know, I haven't had this in a while. And my brother's texting back like, oh, sorry, I guess you have to sit back with the peasants today. You know, <laughs> it was just so funny that um, so it's really cool. You feel like you're Hollywood whenever you really build status. People at the hotel know you coming in, especially when it's a, a site you go to routinely. People at the hotel recognize you at the airports and um, and then status with the airlines is awesome. So and then, of course, there's those times when I had to fly Delta and then I was a nobody so then I was like oh man I'm not Hollywood on this trip so um but it's it's amazing at the stuff you can earn you know as well so um I I just love it like I said I wouldn't have done it for so long if I didn't love you know the clinical research industry and you know being a CRA so one of the last things that I want to point out as we're kind of nearing the end of this episode So it looks like episode one is just going to be on the scheduling part. And then episode two, I'm going to go into detail regarding all the travel tips while you're actually out on the road. But the last thing I wanted to point out regarding scheduling your travel is your safety. Safety is the utmost importance. And you'll find that whatever company you work for, that your safety is just the most important. And sometimes I would find like... For one of my sites, I, you know, would sort by the distance of the hotel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, this was a new build hotel, not far from the site. And I went ahead, you know, and picked it. And so I go to the hotel and it was funny because, I mean, I was delayed and it's probably almost 2 a.m. And I'm like trying to drive to my um, hotel. And I was wondering, I was like, man, in the area that I'm in, people are just around here bebopping. I mean, like it was happening. People were out at 2 a.m. And I thought, huh. Okay. And this wasn't like Manhattan where it's like, uh, you know, a city that just keeps on going, you know, and they're, um, this, you know, and, um, that things, you know, people are still out and about really late. So I was kind of surprised. And then I got to my hotel and I noticed that 
there was a big iron fence around the actual parking lot and you needed a hotel key to get into the parking lot to get in you know get to your car and I thought what in the what in the world am I in? You know, I've never had it ever experienced that before, you know. So I went to the site the next day and I happened to tell him where I was staying. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. She goes, you do not stay on that side of the railroad tracks. She goes, the, she goes, the other side, you know, choose from that side. And so I learned, and I want you to do this too, is um, when you're booking your travel, it's really a good idea to, so you're going to places you might be unfamiliar with, ask the site staff. So maybe some of the um, locations that they recommend and that, you know, maybe are safe areas for you. And also if you are, especially if you're traveling late at night and you have to say, get on a train at an airport, I've had to do this at Newark airport and some of the trains that will get you to the car rental place, um, or where you get off, say, to take a shuttle to a, a hotel, whatever it may be, there was a certain part that was accessible to the public and not just people coming from the airport. So that was, I've had some scary experiences on there. And so then I learned from then on to, um, you know, to, to get on with the crowd, get on with the business people or get on with the people coming from the airport that you're not alone. Um, and I've had the same thing even, you know, leaving a restaurant. I just went in to get something quick to eat. And there were some people, you know, there was actually a, a guy outside that, you know, I was a little nervous. And so I just, um, you know, left out with a family from the airport, I mean, from the airport, from where I was eating. So, um, you know, just be careful, be aware of your surroundings. Safety is important. And um, the last thing that I'll point out is like when I was flying into, say, Manhattan, for example, there's a lot of people out there that will hold up signs and ask you if you want to ride. You know, they'll try to say like, you know, here, ride with me um, rather than waiting in the cab line or waiting for an Uber, you know, and I just recommend not to do that for safety purposes. You just... um, you know, I watch a lot of Dateline, a lot of Snapped, a lot of 48 Hours, and um, just be careful. I just recommend, I would rather wait in a long cab line than, um, you know, risking my safety. So, because they'll even come over, I would be in the yellow cab line, and they would even come over and say, hey, why wait in this line? Come on out with me. And it's just like, no, thank you. I'll just stay in this line, you know. Um, And then it was easier for me to do that than to try to wait for an Uber at the airport. And then once I got in the city, I started, um, then I started, you know, using Uber and they say now it's, you know, for safety purposes before you get, you know, just make sure an Uber car is clearly marked. And before you get in, ask them what your name is. So they'll tell you, you know, so you can know for sure that's the Uber driver that you're supposed to be with and that they really are an Uber driver. So don't tell them your name, open the door and ask them, who are you here for? And they can tell you your name. So there's a lot of safety things you'll learn on the road. And, um, you know, definitely, um, I wanted to, you know, share some of the things that I've learned out there. Okay, so this wraps up part one of the travel episode. And on part two, I'm going to discuss um, travel tips in regards to packing and tips while you're actually out on the road. So if you like what you hear, hit subscribe. You can also check out the website at thecrahelper.com. And I will talk to you soon. Until next time.